0: Father's Day to me is about the ones we father. And to to me, you know, my kids got up this morning and told me, Happy Father's Day. It was good to hear that, but it's just good to see them. I love to be a father. I love to... uh, uh, There's days I love it more than others. Come on. Some of y'all want to lie about it. But when you walk in... and. There's writing on the wall, crayons, and kids are fighting, and somebody says he started it. No, he started it. It's days like that, but then you you kind of realize that that they do make Benadryl, and you <laughs> and then it's good to be a father again. I'm 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 thankful that that I have a great father, and I'm thankful to be a father, and uh, I hope that I can uh, live up to the standards that my father set before me, and and, uh, it's good to see my father-in-law here today. I sure love him, and I don't tell him that because we don't say stuff like that much, but most of the thing I like about him besides he's very handy is that he's he's never whooped me or grounded me. So, I'm thankful. Well, there's always a first time for everything in there. I better shut up or this may be the time. So, if you have your Bibles this morning, I'd like you to open up to the, the book of Luke, chapter 2, 42 and 49. This week has been the, uh, one of those weeks Brother Tony, I uh, went in Monday morning and uh, was told by somebody other than my boss that I has lo- had lost my job. And worked there for eight years, and uh, I don't. I'm not going to have a job as of uh, July 1st. And then trying to study for message this morning and a message tonight. My computer. Goes down, but the Lord is good. God, He He is my Father, and my Father always takes care of His children. Amen. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to lose sleep over it. But God, God is in control, and uh, I'm going to be honest with you. There's there's times that there's times I have questions in the back of my mind of why things happen, but Father knows best. Luke 2, 42 and 49. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they supposing him to have been in the company went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, excuse me, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou. Thus dealt with us, or why have you treated us this way? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee, sorrowing. My goodness, can't say the word, sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? She just said, my father and I have been worried about you. And Jesus looked at her and he said, I've been about my father's business. I want to talk to you this morning, preach to you just for a while, and I promise you this is not a rebuke. I want you to know that I did not come here to rebuke Any fathers or any men here this morning, I just come to tell you how important you are to your family. Amen. And I want to talk to you this evening, this morning, excuse me, on this thought, the call of a daddy. The call of a daddy. And all that word daddy is not a very popular word unless you're, you got a kid that's four or five years old. Sometimes I get in the habit when I walk in the house and I see my dad and I call him daddy. I know it sounds juvenile, but he's still my daddy. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. You may be seated. It was possibly, possibly one of the longest days Of Joseph's life. The absence of his son. It only brought negative thoughts to his mind. And he worried in his heart. And it was a long hard journey between Jerusalem. And the place that Mary and Joseph called home. And they lost their son. On a road like they were traveling There's no telling what kind of danger that would be there for any grown man but little long uh, uh, for a child to be on a road like that, murderers, thieves, and slave traders, and much more. Like any other parent would feel or react, they more than likely thought the worst had happened to their son. The question's arose in their minds, was he dead? Was he hurt? Has he been taken to be a slave? Will we ever see him again? And Jesus is nowhere to be found. And unbeknownst to Joseph, he would search for three long days before he would ever see his son again. And while on the hunt for his son, I'm sure that many thoughts, Brother Tony were, began to flood into his mind and in his heart. In the back of his mind, he, he knew that he really wasn't the biological father of Joseph. But I'm sure there was a time or two that he often forgot that he wasn't his father either. Knowing that he wasn't the one that gave him life, he still found time to invest in the life of Jesus, as if he was his own child, as if he was his own son, flesh and blood. As a dad, Joseph, I'm sure he enjoyed taking the time to invest in his own knowledge into Jesus at a very early age, like any father. I remember growing up, my father, I was running the chainsaw when I was 11 years old, and he taught me how to do ropes, and he Taught me how to to cut uh, limbs and how to do it properly, and but just like that, I'm sure Joseph taught Jesus because he wanted to invest in his son. He he wanted to make sure that Joseph's life and his future would be successful. And I can almost hear Joseph telling Jesus, just like my father would, "No, Jesus, that's not how you hold a saw." Don't you remember how I told you to do it? You have to hold it like this. I can picture a mildly frustrated father saying to his son, No, Jesus, that's not how you swing a hammer. You know I've taught you better than that. And Joseph, out of mere frustration, he's on the verge of of walking away and, and frustrated. And just before he does, he begins to realize... I'm talking to the very one that spoke light into existence. I'm teaching the very one, the very one that created the worlds and hung the sun, moon, and stars on nothing. I'm teaching him how to swing a hammer and how to cut a board. And knowing that, I would venture to say it made Joseph love him that much more, knowing who he was father to or who he had in his house. The love... That Joseph had for Jesus was as pure as any father could ever have for the child. Being the man that Joseph was, there probably wasn't a day that went by that Joseph didn't feel guilty uh, for his son not having better or having a better place to live or a better place to be born for he was merely born in a stable, which was a place for an animal to eat out of. One would feel bad or feel responsible uh, for his son being born in a place like that. And then many times I'm sure it flooded his mind in order to save Jesus' life. Uh, many times they would get out of places where they was at. Because the word came that Herod was on his way to kill his son. Those kind of things was on the mind of Joseph when he was frantically looking for his son because he was not only his provider, but he was also his protector. And he felt responsible as a father like any dad would feel because I know when my son gets hurt, well, I, I, last week my son had a bloody nose and he fell and hit the ground and something inside of me rose up because I seen him hurt. And like Joseph, any father would feel responsible and I'm sure angry at himself and begin to beat himself up. And he's for three days, he's searching high and low looking for at relatives house and looking at friends' house and asking, did you see my boy and did you, did you find him? And nobody said no. And finally, when he gets to Jerusalem, he finds him in the temple, finds him there. And they were obviously relieved, but at the same time, they were probably angry and frustrated to see him there. And the Bible says that they were amazed because... He was astonishing doctors and men of great position with the answers and questions that He was giving them. And they started to question Him out of frustration. Do you realize, Son, what you ha- we had to go through to find you? Why have you dealt with us like this? Why have you treated us like this? And Mary, she began to unleash her motherly instincts on Him. And no doubt her tears and she was crying, she began to unleash both barrels on him. I know Mama did when I was a kid. Buddy, if there was a shoe around. (laughs) Mama, she, she unleashes both barrels and she begins to ask the question, Why have you acted like this? Why did you treat... Do you realize how much pain and suffering for the last three days and how much worry went into uh, to in our lives you had caused? This is what you have caused. Do you realize that? And it was there that Jesus, he dropped the question that more than likely would infuriate any father that would love his child. She said to him first, she said, Do you realize how much pain and sorrow that your father and I have had because you have done this to, to us. And the question he asked his mom and dad, he said, how is it that ye sought me? Wished ye not that I must be about my father's business? The first thing that I want to point out here this morning is as a father to me, it wouldn't have sounded fair for that question. I mean, after everything that he had given to his son, after everything that Joseph had sacrificed for his life, for to make his life better, Joseph sacrificed and put his own life in danger to keep Herod from killing him. He found places for harbor and, and a place to keep his son, warm. He invested in him with skills and his knowledge in order to give him a future, a place to eat and a place to live. Countless hours of worry and prayer went up raising that boy. A lot of energy went into raising his son, and not to mention the last three days—that the last three days of worry and pain and tears that that father had to go through to find his own son. And Jesus makes the statement. He said, I have been about my father's business. Jesus just gave somebody else credit for being his father. In other words, what he was saying to Joseph and Mary... I've been about my father's business. It's not really your business. It's about my father's business. Hold on, Jesus. I thought I was your father. Mary was mad, but Joseph wasn't. I think I'd have been angry. I think I would have been absolutely, incredibly angry. I'd have probably asked everybody in the temple to turn their head because I was getting ready to... Do you know why? Do you know why Joseph was not angry? I'll tell you why. Because Joseph knew. That he had done his job as a dad because he pointed his son to the Father. He pointed his son to the Father. Dads, I want you to listen to me. I want you to hear me this morning. You can spend your whole life savings making sure that your children have the best of everything. You can love Him. You can give the world to them on a silver platter. Oh, my goodness. I'm sorry this morning about being emotional, but I'm talking about being a father. You can give them the best of clothes. You can give them the best of education. And there's nothing wrong with that. My whole life I spin right now revolves around my children. Everything I do revolves around my children. I want a better job for my child. I want to send them to the best school that I could give them. I want to find the best bed that I could put them in. I want to give them the best of clothes and the best of education. But let me tell you something. If I fail to point my children to the Father, that everything that I've ever done done in my life has been a failure I have got to point my child to Jesus Christ hallelujah we're living in a world full of violence hate and mischief it seems as though that the answer to solving the world's problems are beyond the the society's help, and maybe it is. And I don't believe that there's any help besides Jesus. The main problem, however, is everybody in this world, you look on the news, everybody in this world is very quick to pass the blame and blame somebody else for the world's problems. Parents say that we need better teachers and, and, and the schools and better school systems and the school systems say that we need better parents, that we need to discipline our parents before we send them to school and that's true. Some of our problems lie with the corruption of our government and our government will claim that the problems begin and end with the crime rates of our city. And our Congress is quick to say that the problem is with our President. And it probably is. And the President claims that if we had a better Congress then we wouldn't have near the problems that our country has today. But it's a sad thing to know that that same mentality has crept into our churches. Pastors will say that if we had better congregations, uh, that the problems of the church would be solved and the people would stand up and blame the pastors for things that are going on in the churches. What are you trying to say, Brother Hill, this morning? I'm trying to tell you that there is a lot of people passing the blame in this world. But can I tell you that I'm going to accept the responsibility for myself and point to the dads of this world because if dads would stand up in this last day and claim their homes and take the responsibility for their own children, then our school systems would be better, and our churches would be better. Let me tell you something, dads. That revival will start... With you, not with mom, not with our children, not with the pastor, not in anywhere else. But if our pastors or dads would get our face in the carpet and begin to pray to God, then we would have apostolic revival in our churches. I promise I didn't come to rebuke you. I'm telling you how important you are this morning. I'm telling you how big of a great and great of a job, brother Fox, that we have as men, as fathers, to speak into the life. Of our children. Because without us, our children would be lost. Without us, our kids would not have any direction. If we don't keep our children close to us, then we're going to be in trouble. If our children don't hear us pray, then we're going to be in trouble. If our children don't see us worship, then we're going to be in trouble. Our job is the greatest job in the world. And that's being a father. It's not enough, dads. It's not enough to talk, just talk about God to our children. If we want our children to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then we need to live for Him with everything that we got right now. I look at myself constantly. I constantly evaluate myself. I know I'm not perfect, but I'm constantly looking at myself, knowing that when I look in the mirror, eventually in 20 years, that's what my children will see. I'm exactly what my children will be. Let me ask you something, dads. Can you look in the mirror and honestly say, I'm exactly what my, I want my children to be. Am I exactly the father that I want my son to be? Am, am I the parent that I want my daughter to be? I pray to God that we can look in the mirror one day and say, this is exactly. I'm the man of God that I should be for my own child. But I am constantly evaluate myself trying to search my spirit to see if I'm the kind of man that I want my boys to be. Many times I've had to change my actions and I've had to change my words a lot of times and the way I look at times and look at things and my faith and I've had to put them on the on, uh, on and evaluate them and change constantly because if I don't have the right attitude and the right spirit my children will follow right behind me in my footsteps if i fail to point my children to the father then i have not not done my job that god called me to do oh my i wish i could have come this morning to read you a bunch of poems But love is not necessarily giving somebody a card Saying you're doing just the best job in the world Sometimes love is, is tough And like I said, I'm not here to rebuke you Some of you have been fathers a lot longer than me. And I give you respect and I bow to you. And I honor you. And you could teach me some things about being a father. But I do know this one thing. What my father did. I know the right thing that he did. Is he taught me about Jesus. And he didn't just teach me about Jesus. He lived it. The prophet Samuel was a great mighty man of God. His resume as a minister was incomparable. And his character as a man was respected by all. From a boy, he was raised in the house of the Lord. He had a relationship with God in an early age. The Bible says that not a word that he ever spoke ever fell to the ground, which means everything he ever ever spoke was from God, it was truth, and it was righteous. The Bible says when he entered into the city, the Bible says that the elders trembled and shook at his mere presence. His responsibility for anointing Saul was the first king of Israel. And not only that, he anointed the the king David, which was the greatest king that ever lived. Samuel knew what sacrifice was all about. He, He knew what it was like to live for God in a great way. Everywhere that he went. He built an altar unto God. Matter of fact, he even built an altar in his own backyard. But even though he had the anointing like he did, the Bible not one time ever made mention that he ever taught his children how to build an altar Samuel, he had the ability to speak into other people's lives. He was given the authority to anoint kings that ruled empires. He was one of the greatest prophets that ever lived in the history of his calling. But he failed to point his children to the father because the Bible says his sons walked not in his ways which was the ways of God but turned aside after filth or filter, uh, lucre and took bribes and perverted judgment dad please hear me and hear me well it's not enough to be a great preacher it's not enough to be a great teacher it's not enough just to come to church when the doors are open we can run to the aisles and speak in tongues until we're blue in the face but if we fail to teach our children and point them to God then we have lost it all It's a good thing to desire to be a better preacher, a better minister. It is a notable thing to want a better career and a better house and a nicer car. We can spend so much energy on other things that we can fail at the very thing that God has called us to do. And it's the greatest job in the world. John the Beloved, he loved Jesus in a great way. Matter of fact, you could see, if you read in, in the Gospels, I forget the percentage of, of the times that he had mentioned love. In the Gospels, it was it was like eighty something percent more times that he mentioned love in the Gospels, and he he just loved Jesus. He was called John the Beloved, and at the 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 Last Supper, you could see where where everybody else was talking and having their own conversations, and you could look over and where will you find John the Beloved? He was listening to the heartbeat of God. He was listening to the blood pumped through the heart of Jesus Christ. You can't get any closer than that. What better place could you ever ask to be at? But the same man that listened to the heartbeat of God, the same one that heard the blood pumped through the heart of the ones that created the sun, moon, and stars. This is what he said in 3 John 1 and 4. He said, I have No greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. His joy, his greatest joy, wasn't listening to the heartbeat of God. His greatest joy wasn't sitting by by Jesus. His greatest joy was knowing that his children was walking with the Master. Oh my goodness. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. My Father... My father, he's such a great man. He's not a perfect man, but he was a great man. Grew up in a pastor's home. His greatest desire was to see the ministry flourish. He used to dream to preach. He used to have dreams like any preacher Brother Davis, you know what I'm talking about. Preachers. To preach in front of thousands. His greatest desire was to see thousands of people come to the altars, healed. And that's a great desire. And that's 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 a desire that every preacher, every minister, every saint should should have. But the older he got, the last time I was at home, he said, my desires changed. I so said, what do you mean, Dad? He said, I, he said, I feel kind of like my, my time is up as far as being effective in the ministry. And it really broke my heart to hear him say that. But he said, my prayer is to see you and my Micah preach to thousands. He said, "I dream still about the souls coming to God." He said, "But my vision is greater because I know that I've taught you like I taught you, and I taught you about Jesus." He said, "And I," he said, "I did the best that I could." He said, "But knowing that my children that are in a pulpit preaching the apostolic message, seeing miracle signs and wonders." That is my desire. Let me tell you something. If you have a vision greater in your life than seeing your children succeed, then you've got a problem. You need fathers, listen to me. You need to get a vision of your children. And and men, if you don't have children, the people that are under you in in youth classes and, and in Sunday school classes to see people that you tell about Jesus do greater works than you do. That's what Jesus' desire was. He was excited. I believe the greatest thing, his accomplishment on this earth, I think the greatest statement in his mind that he ever met was to say, greater things shall ye do. Because I pointed you, I pointed you to Calvary. I pointed you to the Father. Oh, man, the Holy Ghost is here this morning. I know we're going to bring the kids up in about seven or eight minutes. But we have got to understand what lies before us as men of God. I know some of you men, your children are grown and you have grandchildren. Some of you all have great-grandchildren. The job as a father never ends. It never ends. Our job is still to pray for our children. Hey my father, my father, he I come in in the house, he sees me, he grabs me, and he, he his his thing is he, he kisses me, hugs me, and then beats the fire out of me. Doesn't he? I, I, I hate it when I'm freshly shaven and my father comes in with his stubbles. I'm sitting at the table. Pardon me. And this, and rubbing my face, it drives me nuts. It drives me nuts. I can, I, I can pick him up. I could get him in a headlock, but I don't. Because I recognize... That his job as a father has not changed. And in his mind, I'm still five years old. And his mind, he's still got me down on the floor, wrestling with me and tickling me, because his job as a father has not quit. Just because I've grown. Men, just because you have grandchildren doesn't mean that your father or your role as a father has ended. You've got to invest in them. You've got to invest. In them. So if I could leave you today with one thing, and that is this. If you put your child's future in front of yours, God will make your ministry grow. Not that I'm a great preacher, Brother Anthony. But if I do preach a good message, and if I do a good job, it only makes my daddy look good. It only makes my daddy look good. I'm proud of my children. I'm proud of my children. I think one of the biggest, the one one of the biggest chores or the biggest uh, challenges as as a father in my mind in my in in my life is being able to balance the things of the carnal and the things of the spiritual world. I, I never did get to play baseball when I was growing up. My goodness, we didn't get to do much because it was a sin. I mean, I, I wanted to play ball and I just couldn't do it. But I grew up and, and I've I come to understand not that I'm any better or any smarter than my father. But I, I, come, I, I come to the conclusion I took a lot of praying that I've got to somehow find the balance between the world and, and, and the church as far as what we, what we can and cannot do. And I enjoy, I enjoy, brother, brother, brother Anthony, when I see my son get up and hit a home run. It just i i enjoy seeing my son he's pitching sixty five mile an hour at twelve. He's had three three shutout innings in three in th- three games in a row. Ethan did I'm proud of that that's amazing he, he's already got high school coaches looking at him. I had a, a a college player the other day. He was played college and almost went to the pros. He said, Adam, he said, I don't know what you're going to do here." He said, "Some some of us parents have, have sent their kids hundred. It's hundred and forty dollars uh, for three hours. Uh, uh, you can do that or not." He said, "Amazes me that your son hasn't had any training." He said, "But he said your son has a potential to go to college, and that makes me proud." And then in Jacob, he, he, he's got straight A's. I mean, he's, he's, he's brilliant. He's a lot smarter than me. And I'm proud of those things. But let me tell you something. I love to see them do, guys do those things. But when they were up here praying, and when they were up here speaking in tongues, and when they were up here laying in the altar and travailing before God, I know that I have done my job. I know that I have done the right things as a father. You can throw it all away, everything else, but just give me a couple of boys that can worship God. I've done my job as a dad. Just to point them to God. Usually they're barking in here right now. Now they're not here and I'm, I'm done, but I'm not done. The Lord has been very gracious to our, to our church to give us great men of God. I mean, I can look out and I'm telling you, man, that I can see men that have brought their children up in the church. No, I'm not looking for perfect men. I'm not looking for men that have made all the right decisions, but I'm looking at a bunch of apostolic men that have raised their children, believing in one God, understanding apostolic doctrine, death, burial, and resurrection. That is our job, men. We can't leave it up to the ladies to do that. We can't leave it up to to the wives, uh, to the children to lead in worship. I'll tell you this one thing, it's on my heart, and so I'll tell you. I have a, a guy that, that I know was, was preaching at camp. And he, he, he said that he was on the plane, and he spoke to God before he went to sleep. He said, God, he said, I want you to tell me what you want me to tell the camp. And God gave him a vision, dream, whatever it was. He said he envisioned that he was in Egypt. And he said it was in the time that Pharaoh had captured uh, the Israelites. And he, God gave him a vision of 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 a, of a of a little girl, and she was in a doorway, and she had a bucket and it was full of blood, and she had a paintbrush and she had dipped it in there, and she was trying to hit. The top of the door. And she kept jumping up. And she kept missing. She couldn't apply the blood. And she kept slinging it up there. And she kept jumping up. And she kept crying. She said, Dad. She said, you've got to apply the blood on the door. She said, because if you don't, my little brother is going to die. And what he said to the fathers in that place. He said, it was never the will of God for the children or the ladies to be the leaders in our churches and worship and in our homes. But he said it was the job of the fathers to apply the blood to the doorpost to spare our family. Can I tell you, men, you've got a big job. You've got a big job. My goodness, I hurried through this thing to get these folks in here. Now, Tyler, Tyler, you better not embarrass me today, son. Now, I I got up this morning. And I coaxed him. I coaxed him to say what I wanted him to say, and he... He didn't say it. So whatever he said to them, he just let me know that he did not tell them. What did I tell you to say? What did I tell you to say, the reason you love your dad so much on Father's Day? What did I tell you? Because I was what? So handsome. Now, I don't want any of that other... St- now, you know what he did for Mother's Day a few years ago, and I'm not even going to mention that. But for you that know, it was not rated G. So whatever he said, I'm not responsible. I've done my job as a father. And any mistake that he makes it may be on the Anderson side of the family. I'll tell you real quick. We're waiting. Now listen to this. We're, at, we're, we're standing in the line of an ice cream shop. Tyler, he's standing there talking. I'm trying to say it politely. We're talk, he's talking to what would be maybe a hippie or the village people.
1: <laughs> we was
0: in Bloomington, so you can understand. And I was talking to Brother Krause and he kept, Tyler kept, he's this close to this man. He's like, He's talking he keeps saying, Dad, Dad. And I knew not to turn around. (laughs) Because God gave me wisdom. But apparently not enough because I made the mistake by turning around. And Tyler, he drops the bomb. He says, Dad, the guy's sitting there looking at him. Check this guy's face out. so what a good father does sir i apologize so who's who's coming up here to to take the baton thank you very much this morning i, I preach my first fathers day message and i uh I was kind of nervous about it, but y'all was kind to me this morning. And I'm really, I'm telling, I'm nervous, but I'm going to let you have it. And I may walk out the back door.